passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 80. The Cubs couldn't finish the race. In this segment, Crawley interviews Jim Callis, senior writer from MLB Pipeline, to talk Cubs prospects in the AFL, also known as the Arizona Fall League. Joining me on the Fly the W podcast, Cub fans, you recognize him from Marquee Network, uh, The Road to Wrigley. He is the senior writer for MLB Pipeline. Jim Callis, how are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great, man. I'm, 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 in, you know, enjoying this Arizona fall ball, you know, and, and, and watching the postseason. You know, for me, there's never enough baseball. I don't, I don't care about other sports. So, <laughs> I, it, it, to me, it gives me something to watch and enjoy. So, that's what I'm doing, you know. And I'm sure you're watching plenty of fall ball as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's funny. Like I was spot. I was out there for the first week of the season. And I enjoy, I'll go back for the, the fall stars game and the championship game and the last week, the regular season in between, but I always enjoy being there in October watching Arizona fall league games. And while I'm watching Arizona fall league games, I'm also watching whether it's on my phone or my computer or whatever, the playoff games going on at the same time. So like, you're right. It, it, there is a lot going on, but I, you know, I, I tell you all the time, Arizona fall league, it's the it's the best. Like my two favorite events are the Arizona Fall League, the College World Series, and just think of all the best parts of spring training, without any of the the less best parts. You don't have to fight for parking. You don't have to pay a lot for tickets. Like you have the run of the ballpark. It, the Arizona Fall League is just tremendous. I, I I love it every year. Yeah, and for our listeners that don't know, it's it started on October second and it runs through November 9th. And what happens? is all 30 teams in baseball send some of their top prospects to Arizona to play on one of six uh, teams. Now, Jim, maybe you could tell our listeners what goes in the decision process of which prospects they're going to send to the AFL. So, like, for example, you know, why would, say, you take, you know, James Triantos over, say, Matt Shaw? 
Um, I mean, it it just depends. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go in for pit. Like the hitters usually stand out more than the pitchers because if you stay healthy as a pitcher, you probably hit your innings limit during the years, and they're not going to send. You know, Kate Horton pitched the 80 or 90 innings the Cubs wanted to pitch. So they're not going to send him there. Um, you know, for position players, you know, I think honestly part of it might have been, and I'm, I'm speculating a little bit here, with Trantos versus Shaw. Trantos missed the beginning of the year with the meniscus. Shaw was obviously playing in Maryland. He hadn't been drafted yet. Came in, played a lot. When you when you factor in how long the minor league season goes with the college season, Matt Shaw's probably already played more games this year than he's probably played in just about his whole life, certainly at a higher level. And whereas Trantos missed, you know, I think can't remember, it was four or six weeks at the beginning of the season. So you, you're, you're making up for lost at bat. I mean, you, you see a lot of the same, theme, same themes. You see guys making up for lost time. I mean, the Cubs hitters, you got Alcantara who missed time during the season. You have Christian Franklin who missed all last year. So you see that. Um, you see guys there to work on specific things. The pitchers tend to be more of a random lot. Um, a lot of the teams, it's crazy because every team you mentioned, Paul, there's five major league organizations that feed every Arizona Folly team. And the Cubs are always in Mesa because their training base is in Mesa and they play at Sloan Park. Um, but in the past, every team sent four pitchers. So that would be 20 pitchers. And we still ran out of pitchers at times last year. Like the pitchers <laughs> usually on a very set schedule. It's not like the manager's like, oh, who am I going to bring in? I got this 20-man bullpen. It's like these pitchers are pitching on this day and these pitchers are pitching on the next day and so on. But so this year, every team sent five pitchers. And it's generally, you know, if there's five teams, you're playing six games most weeks. Every team sends a starter. One team will send two. And then there's a bunch of usually pretty random relief pitchers um, as well. Right. And, 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 you know, like you said, the solar socks are in Mesa, which, you know, anyone that's been out to, you know, go see, go to Sloan park. It's just such a beautiful facility, but what does an average day look like for a prospect while they're in the AFL? Um, I think it's somewhat relaxing. I mean, it's, it's pretty hot at the beginning of the season. It starts to cool off. Um, but you know, they, they switched the game times, like game times in the past were either 1230 or 630. And then I guess the big league clubs, in general, like, you know what, that's a pretty quick turnaround, you know, if you're getting out of the ballpark, you know, especially if you're on the road and you have to drive back to your place. Um, so now it's 2.30 and 6.30 uh, are, are the game times. You play one game a week. Yeah, it's, it's not very taxing because nobody really plays every day. Like even, you know, like, like you'll have guys who are kind of the priority players in specific position, and that plays into it too. Like the Cubs can't just say, hey, we want players A, B, and C to come, and they're going to hit third, fifth, and seventh in the lineup and play these positions. You got to make five teams happy. So the teams kind of divide up who gets what priority at what position type of thing. And so you'll have guys like Triantos who are playing uh, four days a week, usually out of six. Um, the catchers, usually you have three catchers on a roster. They play, they pretty much divide it up. Everybody plays two games. Like I said, the pitchers are kind of on a schedule. Carter Trice is there. I, I think he's still there, who they drafted this year out of NC State. But he's only played once or twice. I don't know if, if they officially have taxi squads going. But they have they they have some players who only play are only officially in the roster like Wednesdays and Saturdays. But um, you know, and you'll take infield and BP, but not every day. So, you know, I don't. I mean, I guess it depends on your manager. But like, you, it, it's not a very taxing day. It, it you know, I and mean, you're not going to be in the lineup. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys would. I mean, what hand they're tired, but a lot of these guys would like to play every day. 
but you're, you're not you're not grinding out like you are in the minor leagues like you're you know you at most uh, you know there might be an, like nelson velasquez when he's on the cubs a couple of years ago mesa had some outfield injuries so nelson velasquez was playing like every day um but most guys like will max out around 20 games in a in a five-week schedule Nice. And, and, you know, it was, it wasn't the greatest start for the solar Sox so far, but uh, Mesa did have an exciting 10 to eight come from behind victory last night. And they were led by two of the Cubs top prospects in the AFL. Let's start first with James Triantos. He went four for six with three RBIs and has been one of the best hitters in the AFL. Got a 455 average, 1.359 OPS, six extra base hits and 11 RBIs. He looks locked in. And I think sometimes Triantos gets lost in the shelf a little bit because he came right out of high school and he was so young, but you know, to see his development from Myrtle beach to South Bend and now in the AFL, he's a player. I think that that cup fans should get really excited about. He's really intriguing. I think there's a lot of upside there and there's also some question marks with him too. Um, and I think you're right. I think you do think he gets lost in the shuffle behind guys like PCA and Kate Horton and, and Alcantara who's out there as well. And on one hand, I think, Probably, if you look at the whole Cubs system, the two guys with the best bat-to-ball skills are Triantos and Moises Ballesteros. Like, he can just hit. I want to say, I think I saw him play twice when I was out in Arizona the first week, and he had four or five hits in the two games. The, the guy just really, really hits. I think the two questions with him, and they could go, I mean, there's a wide range of possibilities, are A, how much power is he going to have, and B, where is he going to play defensively? He does need to get stronger. Um, he is hitting the ball harder. I do think he's really a gifted hitter. I do think more power will come than he has shown. But as you mentioned, he's really young. He, you know, reclassified. So when they drafted him in the second round in 21, if he hadn't reclassified, which he did with the intent of going to North Carolina, University of North Carolina and playing a year early, he would have been a 2022 draftee. Like he's really young for his experience level in pro ball. Um I think the bigger question, and the power does play into how well he's going to profile, is where do you play him on the diamond? He played third base in 2022, Paul, and he was not very good. I mean, I had pro scouts in our organization just killing him, saying he looked terrible at third base. So he's played second base most of this year. One of the games I saw him, he looked awful. Like, he made, like, three bad plays at second base where he failed to execute plays properly. They weren't all errors. He did not look good. Like, the game – I saw him game of Mason. I saw him on the road, maybe at Salt River. I can't remember. Maybe I was at Mesa twice. I don't know. It all, it all runs together. But anyway, like, so and I'm not going to bury a guy on one look because I realized I, I may have saw him on a bad day, but he did not look good at second base one of the days I saw him. I mean, he looked notably, noticeably not good. And he also didn't run the bases real well. It was weird. It, it was it was not the best look at him from a non-hitting perspective. They've played him some in center field, like during the season. I don't know that I really think he's quick enough to be a center fielder. And it's kind of a moot point. Because you have PCA, like he's he's not gonna play center field for the Cubs because they have Pete Crow Armstrong, and even if he stays in the infield, even if he gets better defensively at second, you've got Swanson at short, you've got Nico Horner at second, you got Matt Shaw who you mentioned coming, who's either gonna wind up at third or maybe he goes to second. Nico goes over to third. Like even if he improves, I don't think he's dislodging any of those players from those positions. So I think he might wind up as a left fielder in the long run in which case he is going to have to hit for more power. But all that said, I do like him a lot. I do think he flies under the radar. If you told me that he busted out next year and emerged as one of the best pure hitters in minor league baseball and a top 100 prospect, I could, I could certainly see that. I mean, he can, he can really, really hit. And he's, 
I mean, he's got to be what? Like, is he 20 now? Tops? Yeah, he's like 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not even sure he's 20. He might be 19, but he, maybe he did He did turn 20 recently. But, yeah, I mean, he's just so young. So, I, I, th- I think better days are, are ahead for James Triantos. Now, again, not flying under the radar is Kevin Alcantara, who went two for four with four RBIs last night. He hit the walk-off home run for the Solar Sox. He started off a little bit slow, but he is picking it up in the last week or so. Uh, what, do you, what are your initial thoughts on, on Alcantara, Alcantara? Because, I mean, he just he looks so wiry. He reminds me a little bit of like, I don't know, I, I keep thinking of like Alfonso Soriano or something yeah. as far as his body type. He, he is wiry, and it's funny. he's kind of like the international version of Triantos because when the Yankees signed him back then, pre-pandemic, July 2 was the day players were eligible to sign. And he wasn't you, and you had to be 16. He didn't turn 16 until mid-July, so he signed in 2018. So this is his sixth year in pro ball, and he's 21 years old, like, you know, age 21 season. He turned 22 in mid-July. But, like, if you look at baseball, you know, everybody considers, you know, July 1, the midpoint, baseball age. He's 21, and so he's been around for he's 6'6", listed at 188. You know, maybe he's put on a little weight, but, I mean, that looks, like you said, accurate. I mean, he's still very lean, and he's just, like, so athletic and, and kind of graceful looking, and he could have solid tools across the board. And, I mean, I've said this a few times on the marquee broadcast. Pete Crow Armstrong is a better prospect than Kevin Alcantara, but Alcantara might have a higher ceiling. Like, I don't know that he's necessarily going to get all the way there. Not every player gets all the way to his ceiling, but I think he's got more power. I think he's pretty much as quick as PCA um, and a chance to be a comparable hitter. So I think he's got a higher offensive ceiling than PCA. And it's just, again, I keep, I, I did our Yankees list before and I do our Cubs list. So I've had him on my lists forever. And it feels like, man, this guy's been around forever. And like I said, he has, he's been on, either our Yankees or our Cubs list for six years. And he's still with seasonal age 21 this year. So, you know, he had some, I think it was leg injuries, if I remember correctly, and missed some time during the regular season. So they're just making up for some lost time. And I assume we'll see both him and Triantos in double A to start next season would be the, I think the logical assumption on those guys. And, and, you know, roughly the, the pitching isn't, Hitting's ahead of the pitching, but roughly I think people consider the AFL comparable to double-A baseball, like roughly in terms of level of play. And since both Alcantara and and Triantos, I think they both play briefly in double-A, but not a lot. It's getting a little more exposure to that quality of pitching heading into next year. You're talking, you're, you know, you're talking about the pitching, you know, the Cubs have a couple of pitchers out there, Chris Karchmer and Adam Lasky and Jose Romero and Tyler Santana. Is there anyone of those guys that really kind of stand out to you as far as just kind of really having some good stuff that maybe Cub fans wouldn't be very familiar with, but have breakout potential? Uh, yeah. I mean, no, there's guy, like, like I said, not nobody, there aren't that many top pro- pitching prospects in the league. Like there's two guys on our overall top 100 prospects list who are in the league and that pitching wise, and that's Jackson Job of the Tigers and Ricky Tiedemann of the Blue Jays and both those guys had injury like you have to thread this like an even finer line with the pitchers where they were hurt but it wasn't so serious that they're back and healthy and ready to pitch in the fall which is both those guys I think the Cubs best pitching prospect in the AFL is probably Jose Romero like he you know I mean he's a guy who I didn't know a lot about before he went to AFL he I think he signed for ten thousand dollars out of Venezuela 
Um, and he's, he's not, you know, he, he's a reliever. It's 93, 95. It's a solid slider. He had a pretty good year in, in, in single A this year, but he's not super close to the big leagues. But he's he's probably the best of their their five arms they have out there in Arizona. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Nice. Now, you know, the AFL is always a place where they start to kind of mess around and tinker with the rules, and, and this year's no exception. They are going to have some rule changes coming. One of the things is, is they're obviously playing with the pitch clock still. That's something. But but to me, like it looks like they're they're shaving some time. Is that right? I want to say I'm, I'm gonna look this up on my computer as we talk here. I, 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 so I, don't 15... I want to say it's 18 seconds with no with runners on base and 15 seconds with the bases empty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so... I, yeah. All so, right. And they played around with it, I guess, in the in the minor leagues over the last two or three years. And yeah, I mean, you know, everybody call like Arizona Fall League has a million nicknames, but one of them is like baseball's fishing school, but it's also like baseball's laboratory too. Like they've all they've tested stuff, ABS, you know, which we're going to see at some point in, in the big leagues. They've tested that there. They've tested pre-tacked balls there. I don't know if we're going to get that in the big leagues. They've they tested instant replay there before they used it. Um, they, they test everything there. But yeah, they they I think they're trying to find this like like as much as everybody loves the, the pitch clock this year, and I think it's been a pretty universal success. I think if they could even tighten it up, like you said, Paul, and shave even a little more time off the games, people like that. And and I'll say again, it's when you go to games out there. It's not noticeable. Even the 18 second, 15 se- 15 seconds without runner on base, that seems quick. Guys just get used to it. Like when, when everybody was kind of gnashing their teeth, oh, pitch clock, this is going to be terrible. Players hate it. Pitch clock, they've been using the fall league forever. And, and every year it would be the same thing. Before they used it in the minors, take guys like a week. You have a few pitch clock violations first week, and then everybody got used to it. I remember, I mean, this was a while ago, Carl Crawford was inducted into Arizona Fall League Hall of Fame. And we had him on a broadcast. And I think they must have been t- testing instant replay because it was a year where we were doing a lot of broadcasts. And you obviously have to have cameras there to do <laughs> instant replay. And Carl Crawford was in the booth. And it was funny. Sometimes, Paul, when you get a guy in the booth, like a guest in the booth during the game, like the inning goes real quick. And you're like, man, like we barely got to talk to him. <laughs> this was the opposite. We had a long inning. And Carl Crawford was probably like thinking, one of these guys are going to let me out of here. But we, we talked about the pitch clock. And Carl Crawford, who had never seen the pitch clock before, thought it was the best thing in the world. He's like, this is great. We need this in the big leagues now. This was, it might've been six, seven years ago. It was a long time ago, but um, yeah. I, so they'll, they'll, they'll play with it. Um, like I said, it's 15, 18. 
And if they, I, what is it, 1520 in the big leagues? Is that 1520? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they're trying to see if, like, hey, if 18 seems like it works okay, then we might try 18 in the big leagues with runners on base. It's funny. I'm part of a charitable group called Club 400, and we had Joe Madden out for an event for Special Olympics to raise some money. And, uh, you know, we, you know, he was asked about the rule changes and he said, at first I did not want the pitch clock. Now I think it's the best thing, but I'd still get rid of all the other new rules. Um, you know, I don't disagree with a lot of that. Like, like the, the thing about the pitch clock too, is that, I mean, it's, it's tweaked, but like there was a rule on the books forever that you had to deliver a pitch within 20 seconds. So essentially the pitch clock is basically enforcing the rules in the book. It wasn't like, I mean, that rule just got out of hand. I, I, I still despise the runner on second base. I, I hate that rule. I, I it's the amount of games that went past 11 innings at the big league level are so like, like, look at the minor leagues is developmental. If you want to do whatever or call games a tie after 11 innings in minor leagues, fine. I, I hate the runner on second base rule. I, I will never like it. I think it's a terrible way to decide games. And I just think it sends a message that like, like, like last time I checked Paul, like when you go to a big league game, are you forced to stay at the game the whole game? Is anybody compelling you to stay there? Like if, if you've decided you've had enough baseball, you can leave. You can leave the game. We don't need to gimmick it up. Like we've kept it out of the postseason. I hope that remains. But it's not like we have this slew of 15 in games. And uh, now you got me going on a rant. Since we've introduced this rule, Paul, I still seem to see a lot of position players pitching. Even though we have 13 pitchers on every roster, this hasn't eradicated the – travesty of pitchers uh, position players pitching so I, I don't even think the rule really does that much like so anyway but um i, I don't I, disagree with joe madden i was going to ask you about this blocking bases was something that i was kind of looking at too i mean we know the rule as far as catchers concerned but now it's looking like uh no base blocking on the other bases as well yeah they're and like i'll be honest like i mean i i, I didn't see the week i was i didn't see that called like I saw, and I wasn't necessarily watching to say, oh, like, are the infielders really giving the runner a lane to second base on a steal? But yeah, I like the idea is that you can't, you know, much like it, it's similar, I guess, to what they have at the plate, where you have to give the runner a lane to the plate. You theoretically have to give a runner a lane to the bit. You can't just put your knee down in front of the bag and make the guy slide into you and then try to find his way onto the base. That yeah, makes sense. Now, Jim, and I think know, that's good for safety too, because with all the head first slides, I think it's it's or even feet first awkward slides. It it theoretically prevents injuries. I, I don't have a problem with that one. That, that that's that I think it's. But like I said, I haven't. I haven't. I'm not claiming I talked to every player, but nobody was really talking about it, and I haven't noticed it well, while watching a game. I didn't notice anything like, oh, geez, it looks like the guy's out of the way of the base. Like it just seems like that part seems baseball is normal. Right. And, and, you know, for anyone that's interested in the AFL and watching it, if you are a subscriber to the MLB Network, they do have some games and they'll definitely have the Home Run Derby on Saturday, November 4th, and the Fall Stars game, the All-Star game version of the AFL on Sunday, November 5th at uh, 5 p.m. Central Time. And, you know, Jim, you know, we're right, Paul, the let me throw in one thing real quick. I was going to say, yeah. a lot of the games are streaming. If you just go to our, our website at uh, MLB Pipeline uh, or the Fall League's website, they have Pixelot cameras, and I don't know if they're streaming every game, but they're streaming a lot of the games, and they have announcers at them. Like sometimes two, I don't think they ever do three games a day, but they, but they're streaming a lot of games. So even aside from MLB Network, if you like, especially once the postseason ends, if you're like, oh my god, I need some baseball, or we 
have an off day like we had two off days between the the division series and the, and the championship series, you could find baseball on there. So like, and, and then that, and that part's free too. Yeah, it's, that, that, that is amazing. And, you know, Jim, you know, I was talking to you before we, we jumped on this and I was telling you one of my favorite things to do, I'm a big, you know, I'm watching Marquee 24 seven at my house and, uh, you know, the road to Wrigley, you know, with you and Lance Brozdowski and Elise Medeker, I mean, I didn't know what to expect and it is really I feel like it's given me more love for the minor league system, just keeps me more attuned to what's going on. How fun is it to do that show where you have that whip around style and everything's just kind of going crazy and you're focusing in on certain at bats. Yeah. Now that show is so much fun. I think it was a brainchild of a producer named Mike Norman. And I'm, I'm amazed that, that nobody had done it before. Nobody's done it since. I mean, the Cubs are winning now, but when they started it in 2022, they were going through a rebuilding phase and, you know, the Cubs are fortunate. All four of their minor league affiliates televise their games. And so it's just been, most nights. I mean, we sometimes I'm at the draft or Elise is doing something. I think Lance, I don't know if Lance has missed one yet. Like Ryan Sweeney will pinch hit or we'll have different people fill in. But usually it's me and Lance and Elise. And we just like, it's so much fun to just sit there. And we have four, usually it's four minor league games going on simultaneously. And we're trying to keep track of what's going on in all of them. The producers do a great job of keeping us up with that. And we talk about the games and we talk about players and we talk about things going on in the Cubs system and when guys might be up. And it's funny because I like to over-prepare, Paul. I like to have all kinds of stuff. I'm ready to talk. And a lot of times during the year, uh, we wind up, like, I'm really big, like, we'll be doing the draft or something. I'll be really, really, really swamped. And I'll be like, man, I'm so busy. So I don't prepare as much as I want. I'll get there. Oh, man, I hope I have enough stuff to talk about. And so, like, we usually start, you know, it, it, you know, whatever. We'll be like 10 minutes in, I'll look at the clock. I'll be like, okay, hour, 50 minutes to go. And I'll look up, and it'll be like five minutes to go. And I'll be like, we've been talking for like an hour, 45 minutes straight. Like, how, how did this happen? <laughs> That's what I love about it. Now, obviously, there's some talk swirling, as there always are. Pete Alonzo and Juan Soto. If you were to give me five prospects that you say, no way should the Cubs even think about getting rid of these guys, who would you say would be your top five that you just could not get rid of? Well... <laughs> I won't preface this with saying I don't think anybody should ever be untouchable because you could always come up with a trade. Like if I tell you that PCA is untouchable and somebody wants to come give you Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman for Pete Crow Armstrong and Kate Horton, those guys aren't untouchable anymore. So like, I, I, the Orioles wouldn't do that. But like, so I don't ever feel like anybody's untouchable. There, there's always, just like everybody has their price, there's always some trade that you'd be willing to part with. But like, I mean, if you look at their system, I think the, the three, the three guys, there's three guys who jump out to me the most. Pete Crow Armstrong, who I think we'll see in center field at some point. I just think he's so good defensively. We saw a brief taste of that in the big leagues. And he's going to be one of the best defense players in the big leagues. And I think he he's going to hit. And I just think he's got dynamic personality. Like he's going to be – like right now I feel like Dansby Swanson's kind of like – got his finger on the pulse of the clubhouse or, you know, he's kind of like, and Dansby loved Dansby Swanson, loved him since college. He's more kind of a, not reserved, but like more kind of cool where Pete Crow's fiery. Pete Crow Armstrong's fiery. And I think he's going to be the, the guy who's like constant highlights. I, I saw him, Kate Horton, who I think I've been driving the Kate Horton bandwagon since they drafted him. Kate Horton's going to make an impact on the Cubs next year. And then the third guy would be Owen Casey, who they got in the Udarish trade. And I, and I think Owen Casey might be the best 
power hitting prospect in the minor leagues. Like, like he hits the ball so hard at such a young age, succeeding double eight age 21. He's got a chance to be special. And I do like their farm system and his good farm system, but they have, but I just rattled off two outfielders. So like if there was a trade they could make that would help the club and they had to give up Alcantara, I could do that. I like Ben Brown, but I, I also think there's a non-zero chance that Ben Brown, who's one of their best pitching prospects might be a reliever. So in the right trade, I could part with Ben Brown. You know, Matt Shaw, I really do like Matt Shaw a lot. You know, we talked about Triantos. I think both those guys can really hit, but there's only so many infield spots. So, like, again, in the right trade, you know, Moises Ballesteros, is he a catcher? If he's not, there's a difference in his value there. So, I don't know, the, the, the fourth guy, if I was ranking him, the, like, even though I have him number nine on our midseason Cubs list, the fourth most untouchable guy to me might be Jackson Ferris. I think Jackson Ferris has a chance to be really good, but I'd also say the pitching prospects are so volatile. But again, in the right trade, if, if I had to part with Jackson Ferris, but I was getting somebody I knew was going to improve the team, and, you know, I mean, I wouldn't just give him away, but, like, let's say you could get a young, big league, ready pitcher. I, I You know, I, I could part with him in the right trade. So, I, I to me, the three guys you wouldn't want to part with would be PCA, Kate Horton, and Owen Casey. But I could probably be talked into other guys in the right in the right deal. <laughs> Love it, Jim. Where where can where can our listeners find your work um, online and through social media? Yeah, so online, where I'm at MLB.com and MLB Pipeline, which is an offshoot of MLB.com. And the plug I always say for our site: the great thing is it's free. None of it's behind a paywall. So all of our scouting reports, all of our rankings, all of our videos, none of it's behind a paywall. I mean, obviously, we work for MLB.com. MLB.com is trying to spread the gospel of baseball. So you can read all the stuff there. And then I usually try to uh, – I don't even know what the verb is anymore. I'm going to say tweet. I still try to tweet, tweet anytime I do something um, at Jim Callis MLB. Um, and, you know, we do – like we're recording this uh, this week. I've got MLB's Pipelines Inbox, which is kind of like a reader mailbag type of thing. So I solicit questions and I answer them on our website. But, um, yeah, those are probably the two – it's off season, so you won't catch me on marquee probably until until the spring. Well, we look forward to it, Jim, and thank you so much for jumping on and taking some time with us today. No, no, it's like it's, I love talking prospects. I love talking fall leagues. Anytime, Paul, it's a lot of fun. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.